Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Marketing on Mars. Today we have Sam McClellan. Am I saying that right? Yep. All right. McClellan. All right. Yeah. All right. He is uh, currently the Chief Marketing Officer of Big Brain, uh, which is a big Big Brain Games, which is, as you can guess, it is a game. Um, a little bit. <laughs> we'll dive into it a little bit more. A little bit of, on Sam's background, though. He started an, an MMO company in Europe back in college. Um, and now just kind of, uh, you know, it's kind of dabbling into the game, uh, the gaming world. Then he worked at YouTube, basically became a mobile gaming expert, working on some projects that grossed over $250 million in revenue. Then he worked at Kabam, for those of you that, that know, is, uh, again, a portfolio of mobile games and then zynga and now he's he's uh he has his own company uh big brain and um chief marketing officer there doing some very very cool things so um sam welcome to the show thank you for joining us yeah thanks for having me yeah um so as you know the tradition we will be starting the show off with some hot sauce what do you have in front of us today? Uh, so I don't actually have too much of the strong stuff in the house at the moment, uh, but I got this guy. So it's weak knees, gochujang, um, sriracha. They buy a company here in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, and this has quickly become like the thing that I put on everything. pretty much everything. <laughs> um, and they just released a like super spicy version of this. So I'm probably gonna be ordering that next. Uh, but yeah, it's essentially all I got in the house at the moment. Cool. <laughs> Cool. I got I got the, the same one as last time, Tortuga Gordo. I gotta give this guy a shout out. Shout out. I uh, found this guy in Portland. Uh, it's a smoked Carolina Reaper, and it's been killing me. It's been killing me the last uh, two months. Um, <laughs> so let's start off with a dab. Get the show started. Okay. Oops. I just knocked the top off of this. There we go. Got some. All right. Here's... I'm going straight with the finger. Okay. <laughs> it never gets easy. You know, this is the this is the eighth or tenth time that I've done this on a podcast. It just never <laughs> it never gets easy. <laughs> Yeah, when it's just straight too. I mean, right off the bat. <laughs> yeah, no breakfast. Really, just uh, good way to good way to lose weight, I guess. Just killing my insides. Um, yeah, and waking up too. Who needs coffee? And waking up. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, I mean, I gave a little bit of a background on you, but maybe you can just kind of tell us a little bit about your journey and uh, and just you know doing marketing and all that while I recover my mouth. <laughs> sure. So, I mean, yeah, like you kind of mentioned, like, obviously, since college, I've kind of really been into video games um, as a kid, too. Like, you know, kind of started pretty early on. Uh, and I always wanted to be involved in that industry. Uh, and so after YouTube, I essentially had the opportunity to kind of go into that field um, right as things like Facebook gaming were really taking off. Um, so I kind of got to ride that wave as things like I'm sure everyone knows Farmville, but, you know, a lot of the other games that kind of came along with that, like Ebony and things like that. Um, and then obviously mobile games, you know, kind of took off at some point uh, as more and more people had phones, like iPhone became more and more popular. Mm -hmm. um, so initially I was on the product side of things, helping design those games, kind of 
designing mainly the monetization side of things, like how do we, when do we run events, you know, what are sales, that kind of thing. Um, and then had an opportunity to switch to the other side with user acquisition, which is pretty similar. Um, you know, all both of them are kind of involved with money. One's making, one's spending it, one's kind of making it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the process is relatively similar. Um, and then had the opportunity to kind of oversee a, a bunch of those games at Kabam before moving to other industries, you know, or other companies in the in mobile gaming space like Zenga, NetMarble. Um, and then I ended up moving to New York for uh, I got engaged, and it's impossible to get your wife or any New Yorker to leave New York. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I ended up moving here, uh, and it's been you know kind of worked at a lot of other different um, mobile first companies. One was like a company called Fly Cleaners that was like an on-demand laundry company. Mm-hmm. Uh, another one called Musician that does sort of uh, music education through an app where it kind of listens along. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I had this opportunity to join Big Brain, um, you know, essentially to kind of really take their product to the next level. Um, so the two founders, Nick and Cam, were the people who started the company. Um, but I'm now basically the one they brought in to kind of to grow it into the next thing, right? Beyond just a product that's kind of floating out there in the app store. Yeah. So give us a sense of how big Big Brain Games is right now. Um, do you have any stats that you can share? So like, pretty, pretty, you know, revenues or number of users or anything like that? Yeah, so I think, I mean, we're pretty early on in terms of our overall, um, you know, efforts, I would say. I mean, we had a seed round of 4.5 million. Like, we've essentially been building that, you know, basically build off of that. And now we're looking at the point of where, you know, what's the next steps? So looking at our Series A um, to be able to catapult that um, you know, really our marketing initiatives to really get our users up there. Uh, at the moment, we're kind of floating around that, like, you know, around 40K, I'd say, in terms of monthly active users, which is, you know, a lot smaller than the games I worked on in the past. But also, this is where games start, right? Like, you have to have this constant growth uh, aspect of it, starting from small and going to, to those millions of users. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the revenue side of things, I'm going to have to take the hot shot. <laughs> take the shot. Uh, and not go into that yet. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but you know, I mean, that's essentially part of it, right? You know, as we begin to get using, oh, I'm about to drip it on the desk. So that is a new, um, kind of style of, of our show. We're going to be asking very, very tough questions, right? And every single time you cannot answer a question, you will have to take a, hot, a shot of hot sauce, which you're lucky you got Sriracha today, but, yeah. uh, you got to get you to try this one of these days. Um, okay. So revenue numbers. Confidential, roughly five million dollars raised, forty thousand users. You started not too long ago. How many users were there when you first started, versus now? And and uh, I guess uh, is it only in the U.S. or have you expanded to other regions as yeah. well? So we're only live in the U.S. at the moment. And actually, even that, we're well, we're live everywhere. But if you want to actually do the real money element to it, which yeah. we haven't really talked too much about yet, but um, that's only live in the 38 states in which skill games based games are essentially legal. Um, so we kind of operate in an area where like, if you have a pub quiz, for example, that is skill based, right? You go to a bar, you can buy a drink and participate in this trivia game and you'll get a cash prize at the end of it. It might be to off your tab or it might be just, they give you straight cash. Um, now we kind of operate within that area where if you can have that in a bar uh, in your area, then we, you can basically play the app for cash. Um, so a good example would be like Massachusetts doesn't allow any kind of promotions around alcohol or that kind of skill-based aspect of it, mm. um, especially in bars. And so they don't have a lot of bug trivia and it's just not necessarily something that's even like permitted. And so we just don't, we aren't able to operate there on the like, real side, cash side of things. Uh, but our app is, you know, pretty much all of our trivia tournaments are 
um, free to those who want to play for free and there's no cash element to there and that's available to everybody. So they can play anywhere in the US. Um, we haven't actually expanded beyond that, but theoretically we could also open it up to, to anyone else in these time zones. Um, our, our games are all live. So essentially it's kind of like HQ trivia where there's not necessarily a host, but there is like, it is actually like live and you're playing with other groups of people. Mm. Uh, and so it's kind of like along that line of like, if you're within this time zone and it works with you, then you could probably play the app on the free side of things. So I go to a bar with a group of friends, call it 10 of us. And mm-hmm. there's like, you know, 30, 30 people in the bar. We all download this app called Big Brain, Big Brain Games. Yep. Big Brain Games. Big Brain Games. Yeah. So we all download it. How do we all enter in the same room though? You create a room ID and then, and then the, the bar announces it enter nine five or whatever like, tell, tell us how that whole you know everything works yeah so i'll probably end up there right now it's essentially that there's a slate of games from uh 6 p.m or 7 p.m eastern time all the way through to midnight uh, and each of those is like basically launching every 15 minutes and there's a specific topic to each of those so um you know if you want if you're really into the office for example we have like an office quiz where that'll run for 15 minutes and you'll just kind of join that with your friends and everyone will be in that same tournament along with everyone else who's joined it. Um, so like, for example, yesterday we had a 9 p.m. tournament around football, which had 1,800 people in it, all competing for, for you know, top prize, basically. Wow. And what is the top prize, usually? Uh, in that tournament, it was, I think, $1,700. Um, but that's the total prize pool. So that'll get split up between a certain rankings, you know, one first through 25th or whatever. Um, and obviously weighted towards first place, getting the majority of that money. Wow. Uh, where does the price pool come from? Does everyone chip in $2 or what's the, how does that work? Yeah. So it's essentially that our 9 PM hour actually is free. So that is essentially just coming from us. Um, but it's based on, you know, the total price pool is based on the number of people playing. So the more people playing, the bigger the price pool. Um, the other tournaments, you know, if you want to play for the cash prize, then the buy-in is usually anywhere from like two to $5. Um, it really depends on, on the more aggressive, you know, like our 200s, for example, tend to be. Um, a little bit of a higher buy-in because the number of people being paid out is higher. So we want to obviously have it. So it's a fun experience. Um, I don't know if you ever played HQ trivia, but um, I did. And winning that was kind of like, great. I won like $3 and 12 cents. Like (laughs) this is not like the most entertaining or like fun experience once you finally actually win, which is always kind of like hard to do on that app. Uh, And then when you finally do it and you get this kind of like mediocre prize, it's not that great. Um, so you definitely wanted to stay away from that and make it worthwhile. If you're going to earn some money, right, it should be something that you feel good about, or at least be repeatable in a way that, you know, it's a little bit at a time. So you feel good if it happens pretty often, or it's a big prize and it only happens every now and again. So I guess on the, so you got the user side, right? People that are going to bars and, yep. you know, coming on and joining this trivia. But on on, on the other side, uh, in terms of the revenue side, is that just basically companies buying ad slots on the game or like, how does that, how does that work? How does the revenue work? No, right now it's all user-based. So it's sort of like people give us uh, you know, they'll make a deposit uh, of up to, you know, up to a hundred bucks, I think it's the initial deposit and we'll match it up to a hundred. Um, so people can put 20 bucks in, they'll get $40 to spend on the app and then they buy in and then obviously, hopefully you win more money and end up, you know, kind of cashing out. Yeah. Uh, right. Right. So, so there's no, there's no like ad monetization model there. It's just all from the user. Not right. yet. Yeah. Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, so tell us what, what like so what was the go-to market strategy there? And um like obviously you raise uh 
you raised five million dollars was that like right off the bat and you had five million dollars to spend or did you raise did you go to market kind of bootstrapped first built up a certain level and then and then raise the money tell us that what was, what was the history like for you guys yeah, so they, I mean, Nick and, and Cam went and raised that seed round. Um, essentially, right off the right off the bat, uh, Nick has a strong background in both trivia in that he won a uh, hundred thousand dollars on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire and essentially quit his job the next day. Uh, and then, you know, he's kind of got he had a lot of this sort of fantasy sports experience because he was the chief product officer for um, FanDuel. So it's a lot of this kind okay. of similar sort of gray not gray area similar um, industry that we're kind of in, um, and you know the he has that kind of background to be able to really get investors' attention because he's got that that experience in it. Um, so they took that seed round, formed that, formed the company, and built the product. Uh, and then when you know, basically at the beginning of this year, I, I joined the company in March. Uh, the you know it was founded in 2020, so it's been around for two years already. Yeah. Uh, and then that was essentially largely the moment of like, how do we really begin to address building this product uh, or growing this user base um, in the post. Apple chain, privacy changes world, right? It's a very different playbook than you would find like four years ago, right? Where we kind of all knew how things worked. Apple decided to change that up quite a bit. So now we're at the point where you have to kind of try different things, right? It's like not necessarily as tried and true. So the going to market strategy is a little bit different in that they put it out there just to kind of get organic users and get some data on who was playing what and what are the favorite topics, mm -hmm. um, see how people were using the app so they could then build the next level of that product. Uh, you know, adding different game modes, that kind of thing. Uh, and then from my side of things, it's a little bit on the like, how now that we have that data and we have that knowledge about what our users really like, uh, we can build that into our ad creative and get out there and just say, you know, there's this product out here on these specific channels that we're running on, like Facebook, TV, that kind of thing. Uh, and really like appeal to that user in a way that, that makes sense, that they'll actually want to play the app and, and have fun with it. Yeah. So for the, for the users, um... The people that are listening right now that are not aware of what has changed in Apple and also Android, the Android store. Can you explain a little bit about what life was like before for a mobile game, mobile game, and now? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So I mean, it used to be back in the day, Apple created this thing when they released the iPhone called the IDFA. So it's the identifier for advertiser. Um, the whole point being, if you're an advertiser, you're not going to know the person's name or email address or anything necessarily personally attached to them other than this specific number. Mm. Um, so if you, you know, we were to show an ad to you, uh, it might be like two, three, four, eight, seven. It was a lot longer, right? It's a pretty long mm. series of numbers, mm. uh, but we wouldn't necessarily know it was you. Uh, and so they kind of created that, but it obviously became a little bit programmatic, uh, problematic as uh, more and more data became available to people and we were able to connect it a lot more. Um, so that's where you kind of saw things like Cambridge Analytica with Facebook, where like, you know, essentially people were downloading Facebook data, including that number and being able to hyper target specific people. Um, same with like political stuff and all this like disinformation you see. So Apple kind of approached it from a perspective of like, no more of that <laughs> and killed that number. So now if you don't opt into sharing that number, which you have to be prompted for, um, you know, essentially you can do it on an app by app basis. Um, it, it just gives us zeros. So we don't actually, you know, everyone gets lumped into zero, 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 zero. Uh, and so we don't necessarily have all of that granular information that we used to have um, unless people opt into it. Uh, and it's, you know, more people are opting in than they used to. Uh, you know, when it first launched, it was like 12%. Now some apps can get up towards of like one in five. So you got 20% people opting in, but it's still never the majority of people. Like most people don't want to be tracked in that way, yeah. uh, which makes sense. It's a little creepy, right? Yeah. Uh, and Google has a similar thing where it's called Google 
uh, Android ID, GA ID. Uh, and it does the exact same thing. Uh, it allows you to kind of track these folks and then show them ads um, based on things they clicked on or whatever. Uh, the joke used to be, right, if you visited a website, they're going to advertise to you to the end of time where you're like, great, I looked at like, friend sent me a fancy boat uh, that this billionaire bought. Right. And now they're just showing me ads about buying this boat for like six months. <laughs> well, part of it is like, if a boat costs you, or if they make 15 million by selling that boat, that's an awful lot of ads they can buy until it becomes not so profitable to do that. Right. Right. Uh, and so it's kind of like, they have to, if someone visit our website, we're going to show up for six months and it costs us, I don't know, you know, 30 bucks for that one specific person. That's still, you know, one boat, uh, being sold covers that entire cost plus you know thousands of other people. Um, so now we have this new system, which is uh, it's called Scan. Um, I forget the exact abbreviation off the top of my head at the moment, but essentially what it does is it aggregates all these users into a single data dump yeah. from Apple. So they'll take like a day's worth of knowledge and say, you know, all these users clicked your ads. You got mm -hmm. 11 installs from this specific campaign. Actually, it's more than that, but, but you got like 112 from this specific campaign. Right. Um, and so we kind of like safety in numbers, if you will. Right. Um, and then for like the most prolific at advertisers who are spending a huge amounts of money. I mean, I spent tens of millions of dollars for a mobile gaming company, but it's not like we had small budgets for yeah, these things. And that's for, for sure. specific games. Yeah. Right? So the whole portfolio for our company is very large. Yeah. Um, so they would get like a lot of that data that is now such a large data set that they can't specifically target individuals within that group, mm -hmm. uh, which kind of prevents the Cambridge Analytica thing. Right. Um, and below a certain threshold, we don't get any information. It's just that you had some installs. Yeah. That's kind of it. Yeah. So it's making it <laughs> uh, more. So it's a lot harder to do what we were doing before. Yeah. So it's making it more difficult and probably more expensive too, right? Because now, now you got you got less people to target, or your targeting is not as good, right? Yeah. So you're spending more money. And because there's like a, and because there's like a minimum threshold on a lot of this stuff, um, you find that it used to be about spreading your your budget as wide as possible, right? You want to hit as many of these sort of different touch points people come into uh, in the mobile like ecosystem. And now it's a little bit more around the like, well, if I'm only going to be limited on the amount of data I get, and I need to have more installs and more people on this specific campaign in order to get granular data mm -hmm. on that, then I'm going to be actually spending on less resource, like less channels, right? It's not Facebook, Google, plus like 20 other channels. It's like, Facebook, Google, and like four other channels because I just need that enough data coming in to actually be able to see whether my campaign spent well at all. Uh, yeah. And I still can't see individual users, but I need to know, did they make purchases or did they start a free trial or you know, all these kind of things you would find in a lot of different apps. Uh, in our case, it's like, did someone make a deposit um, or is someone actually participating in, in our tournaments? And I don't know any of that stuff um, mm -hmm. until we've reached those thresholds, obviously. So obviously that, that channel is now more difficult, more expensive. Yep. You also mentioned TV ads. Is that a very viable channel um, to for for mobile games? I, I know it's very big on for some other apps and other kind of online native uh, websites. What about for gaming? Is that TV ads really popular nowadays? Yeah, I think so. I mean, especially for us. But I mean, I think gaming in general is kind of having this moment where. Um, as the number of sources you can buy ads on are expanding, right? There's a lot of the cord cutting aspect uh, and moving away from cable TV has led to like all of these different um, sort of cable-esque style apps, right? Mm -hmm. There's like the Tubies, there's the Slings, there's all this kind of stuff where a lot more people are on there and there's a lot more ad real estate to buy. Um, all those thousands of channels that were on cable mm -hmm. and were only in one spot before are now 
on a, a whole handful of different apps. Exactly. Uh, and you can kind of independ independently on all that stuff. Uh, on top of that, the ATT changes we were just talking about basically made it so that there is a increased level of inefficiency in your spend, right? You can't, yeah. if I can't target specific people, then I'm just going to accept that some of the people I'm targeting or seeing my ads um, are just not going to be interested in my product because that's just kind of the in inherent aspect of that now. Uh, and if that's the case, then TV used to be kind of like that. And that's why it wasn't like super popular. Mm -hmm. It also used to be more expensive, mm -hmm. but like, you know, this kind of combined, hey, everything's a little bit more expensive. It's a little bit more inefficient. Um, actually make it so that TV is like a pretty viable option. Uh, and there's, you know, there's companies that are bringing this sort of programmatic aspect to uh, both these like streaming like apps, but also things like connected TVs, right? Where, you know, people's TVs, if you're, if you have like a Chrome TV, for example, or Android TV, it often shows a lot of ads um, when you're at that home screen. Some of those are things that people can click on and download apps from, or there's QR codes that people can kind of scan and, and go from there. Um, so there's a lot of these kind of different networks or different opportunities and touch points that you can kind of um, exploit in that way that that just were too priced out or weren't available to you before. Right. And so just to add on to that, um, you know, it's more there's a lot more ambiguity around targeting when it comes to TV ads, right? Because you're not really you don't know who the other side is. You're just targeting, for example, you know, uh, I, I don't know, maybe a lot of your majority of your users are maybe into sports. For example, right? Because they go to sports bars, yep. and so you're just targeting ESPN or you know Sports Center or whatever the wh wh wherever you think most sports watchers or sports fanatics are there, and you kind of just target. Not you know you can't really you can't really uh, target as granular anymore, right? So so that's that, that's exactly. a, that's a big issue, right? With TV ads, yeah, and part of it is also if you can't target as precisely. Um, you're, you're definitely just trying to get people's like emotional play on the, on the ad, right? Like you definitely want people to be interested in your ad and you have to elicit the things that people really know and really love about your app. Um, and it's less about finding that specific, maybe a smaller audience because you're targeting so specifically before with those, uh, with the IDFA. Yeah. Um, and there was a little bit more of like a very specific message for that group. Right. Mm -hmm. But since there's a lot of ambiguity and it's a lot a bit larger group, it's a more of a, um, I don't want to say general message, but it's more of a, like a, there's not as a specific a message, right? It has to be a little bit more of a, you're either touching on all of it or you're kind of bringing up, Hey, this is like, you know, in your sports case, right? It's not, we're targeting football fans. We're targeting people who love sports. So it has to kind of hit all the different sports. Mm -hmm. Um, so if you're doing that TV is better almost because you're just going to have that many people's eyes or you're kind of treating them the same, right? If everyone's going to see this ad on, on TV, then kind of social is kind of the same way on Facebook, on Google where you know a huge group of people seeing this rather than that specific people who like football. And if that's the case, you know, essentially the kind of you can approach it the same way where you're spending budget on both, but you're kind of taking, I wouldn't say exactly the same approach, but it's but it's similar like the same approach of, you know, budget goes in and you have to make sure that you're getting those installs and the people who, who want to play your app. Yeah. So what are some of the best channels for you guys then when it comes to TV that works for you guys? Uh, for TV, I mean things like Tubi and and uh uh, Sling TV, you know, like a lot of these ones where like it's, you know, we have a very specific audience that plays our app. Like we are very millennial heavy. Uh, we actually are female dominant, uh, which is kind of a bit of a, a difference for us in terms of like, you know, people like FanDuel and DraftKings, right, mm -hmm. are extremely male dominant. I think it's like 3% of them are female. Right. right? Um, so we're kind of at this, this advantage of being able to target those specific people. And we know that millennials tend to use those specific apps. And so it performs pretty well for us. Yeah. Okay, so you got TV ads, you got 
you still spend a little bit at, at the app at the app store level because you just have to be there yep what other channels what other <laughs> yeah, what other channels work for you guys uh any kind of social media TikTok, google snapchat facebook anything yeah so else? we're spending on google um facebook was always been a little bit of on off for us because it's just that level of like we're not spending enough that we really can target on that channel um at least not in the way that we used to be able to and it's it's just one of our more expensive channels um then things like TikTok uh always tend to do really well for our younger younger like users um i mean i think that's probably the replacement if you will for facebook and you know, for a lot of users like and i think it's almost impossible not to spend on facebook google or TikTok at this point um so you're kind of spending at least on all of those and then looking at you know what's the next thing that works for you it might be reddit ads it might be twitter it might be um i guess i would say snapchat but i've never seen it work for gaming um there's very specific users on that one <laughs> yeah yeah um when you when you when you say spend are you talking about just spending in terms of content creation or are you talking to, like organically or are you talking about paid ads as well uh both so i mean we we, oh, I mean, big brain, we do like a thing called fun fact every day. We publish something on all of our socials. It's kind of like a fun fact on random stuff. Um, for example, we did what's the lowest zip code, um, which is a specific zip code for the IRS, uh, here in the U S. Um, but you know, I think that tends to be a little bit more, I don't necessarily see that as like acquisition marketing. That's more of like almost like brand and just generally kind of yeah. building something to remind your users that you're there, right? Like. You know, it's a fun fact. It's something that might could be in any of our tournaments. So you kind of get a little bit of a leg up if you've been following us. And then, you know, and, and the rest of it's kind of like a fun retention slash just general brand on the internet. Hey, we're we're here and we exist and we aren't lost in the app store. Um, I think that's the thing that often goes pretty unsaid, especially by Apple when they're like, we have this huge app store. It's like, yeah, you do. It's it's not quite as big as Google's, which is like tw I think twice as big, but also filled with a lot more or less lower quality apps. Um, Apple's, I think has like 2 million apps, right? And if that's the case, then how, as, as a user, where you're trying to find something to play, if you type game into the app store, you get hit with like hundreds of thousands of ads or not ads, sorry, hundreds of thousands of apps. Um, in that case, right. how do you stand out in the crowd, right? Uh, if I'm one in 2 million, that doesn't sound super great. <laughs> uh, but if I'm the one that stands out because I've done all the things right and you're typing my name in and we're you know, up there in the rankings enough that people actually discover us, then you would kind of be in that snowball effect of like becoming one of those apps that people all talk about or all downloading, all playing. So as I'm hearing you speak, it sounds like really the the key uh, to the go-to market, uh, your, your GTM, your go-to market strategy was really around content and branding, right? Creating, uh, was, was that the main focus? Were there partners that you worked with as well that helped drive the message? Um, or like, what, what, what were the main, uh, you know, go-to market, uh, drivers for you guys? Yeah. So I think the first thing was just generally want people to know we exist. Um, so that's, you know, that is part of that branding and messaging and just generally kind of building, you know, what is big brain, right? Uh, in one hand, they could just be a trivia app, but we're actually a lot more than that. And we have a lot, this sort of, you can play for real money aspect. You can play for fun. Like there's a lot of different aspects of it. We have to play that up uh, and let users know, right? That there are these options. Um, the other part of that is the performance marketing aspect, right? Which is, you know, you can put all these, all the messaging out there in the world you want. There's a lot of social pages out there for companies you've never heard of that are right. trying their best just to put their, their message out there. Right. Um, the other part of that is just, is the performance marketing, getting, 
you know, connecting a dollar spent or uh, with getting a user to to click an ad and click you know install uh, and then start playing that app, uh, and that's essentially how all of this kind of works in in terms of like mobile apps as a business, right? It's all balancing your acquisition costs with the money coming in um, from your user base or from ads being you know watched that kind of thing. Um, so that's the other part of it, right? You have to kind of balance that that aspect with putting that branding out there. You just can't spend enough. Um, really, to put that message out there by brand and, and alone, in my opinion, uh, without having that performance aspect. Otherwise, you're just spending money and hoping for the best. And you know, exactly, that doesn't necessarily work. <laughs> exactly. And on the other wish, and on the other <laughs> hand, you can't really, you know, spend on performance marketing until you've until you've actually have some branding, some content, right? So you say chicken and egg. You gotta you gotta create some content, create the right branding and the right messaging run some performance ads, see how your audience reacts. If it works, keep doing it, double down. If not, you got to go right back to content. It all starts with content and branding. And then you got to try yep. performance marketing again to see if it, see if it hits your, see if it hits, you know, a soft spot for your audience, right? Yeah. And I think the other part of that is just once people come into your app, right? Uh, user acquisition tends to the performance aspect of it tends to end at a certain point, right? There's like a, we hit this event that's our key target, our KPI. And after that, yeah. it's kind of like found some other team, usually in larger companies uh, right. to say like, oh, well, at this point, it's kind of a product responsibility and I don't really have any control over that anymore. Uh, you know, the content in the app will also help those acquisition costs. So if we're not, you know, if we can produce all the content we want on our social page and just say, hey, there's exactly. a bunch of facts cool like that here and you can watch them. Yeah. So if they come into the app and it's a total disconnect between what we put on those pages and what's in the app, it's not going to work. Like it needs to be kind of a, a, a fun experience across all of these like moments that people can interact with your product. Um, well, <laughs> I, I think we've actually done a really good job on that front yeah. uh, on the app. Like we, you know, there's, we have over 200,000 you know, trivia questions and topics for people to choose from. So there's a lot for people to find. Uh, and I think that's the key aspect, right? Like in this era of, um, we can't really target as specifically when people come in and we have a very wide range of topics for people to pick from. And I mean, it's pretty wide. Like we have girl band like tournaments, we have mean girls, but on the other end, we, we just launched like, you know, football theme of the week, right? So there's there's two ends, or there's not just two ends, there's like a bazillion, and so there's a huge gamut of uh, things that people can like play on our app that are cover pretty much all topics. And so it's at that level of like people get to choose what they want to play. And it's that personalization that they get to opt into rather than, um, you know, a lot of other apps are kind of like, it's either take it or leave it. This is what we got. You know, a lot of mobile games are definitely that, right? If you don't like matching three things, Candy Crush is probably not for you. Like that's at that level of like, I don't like any of this. Yeah, don't, you just delete the app, right? Like <laughs> there's nothing more for you here. Uh, and I think we're, we're poised to begin moving beyond just like trivia and we're moving into blocks and a couple other games that we, we're, we're working on within our own app um, that allow us to kind of target that stuff. But even just by trivia alone, such a wide gamut. Um, as long as you like trivia, which I guess is the sort of matching three element to it, um, you were, then there's probably something for you within Big Brain. Uh, and it's kind of nice to be able to be able to offer that. Uh, and also makes easy in reverse our content calendars for things like Twitter and Instagram and all that stuff where we do these fun facts that much easier for us to produce that content because we have that much already for the app. So it's kind of nice to take one and put it in the other and vice versa. Yeah. I think the perfect heart, the perfect uh, match or the, you got, you got the marketing piece and then you got the product piece. And when you got a perfect synergy between the two, that's usually when you see some pretty good magic happens. And luckily for you, 
you get to kind of orchestrate that and and get both the teams working together. So that's that's a very cool thing, cool position to be in. And it sounds like you guys are doing a great job. So, um, so as as we're as we're going forward, um, what is there to look forward to with Big Brain? Like, what are the next milestones in the next six to twelve months? What should we be looking forward to? New releases or potentially new areas that you want to target? Yeah. So we have a, a new game coming out um, either next week um, or the week after, but it, uh, it's called Blocks. It's essentially, think of it as like a word search, but with a timing element. So certain blocks, it's essentially like a Scrabble board almost, mm. but then like blocks are falling at a certain interval and you have to kind of make words and get the highest score you possibly can. Um, folks who really love Wordle, for example, are, are really into the game. Oh, yeah. um, which is <laughs> just a few people. <laughs> uh, the other side of that is we're about to launch um, live trivia. So if you have played HQ trivia where they had a live host and they were kind of calling things out, like, hey, we're doing this, we're doing that. You know, like there's a, there was a, I forget his name off the top of my head, unfortunately, but he was kind of the face of HQ trivia, right? He was the host every night um, for those games. And there was a nice element of like kind of logging in. He was calling out specific users were doing well. It was like a very cool um, experience, almost like, you know, kind of being involved with Jeopardy or Wheel of Fortune or Price is mm -hmm. Right, that kind of stuff where there's a huge like audience element. Um, so we're launching that in October. Um, and at what well, point we don't necessarily know yet because it's still being built. So there's always kind of that uh, opportunity for like a huge roadblock to come down. But um, that's the, the goal is essentially to have start hosting our, our actual trivia tournaments, um, you know, especially like our nine o'clock hour, which is. The, the on theme stuff. So at the moment, all it's all football themed because football's kicking off this week. Um, right. So we could have like you know a host come in and, and basically who was an ex-retired um, football player could be hosting it and kind of calling folks out and you know kind of encouraging people or providing extra knowledge that we didn't have in the quiz, for example. Awesome. Uh, and I think there's, I mean, in this era of influencers and everyone watching some sort of streaming, there's Twitch, there's oh, YouTube. Yeah the bazillion places you can watch a lot of this content and they have a lot of hosts and a lot of different people. Uh, I think it's a huge opportunity where we can kind of have people come in and, Hey, we're doing a, you know, Twitch trivia, for example, like a mm. uh, tournament, we can have different trip Twitchers or Twitch streamers Twitchers, come in yeah. and <laughs> Twitchers. Yeah. I've heard them called that before. I'm not a big fan. Uh, <laughs> uh, really have Twitch streamers basically come in and just generally, you know, host the trivia. It might even be about them, which would be kind of crazy. Right. Uh, you know, if you have Ninja come in and say, I'm going to host my own Ninja tournament, that's pretty crazy. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's kind of cool because they get to say, you know, you guys know more about me than I thought you guys knew, which could also be really crazy. But, awesome. Uh, that's the the cost of living your life on the internet, I suppose. Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, Sam, thank you, thank <laughs> you so much for joining. And, uh, you know, it sounds like you guys are doing some pretty cool things in Big Brain. Excited to to get you on for round two when you bring on a hot a hotter hot sauce we can talk a little bit more about there you go <laughs> you know maybe from forty thousand users wasn't prepared <laughs> yeah I, I just told you <laughs> right when you got on screen so uh next time we'll get we'll get we'll get a hotter hot sauce and um excited to hear about uh you know uh, some some other big milestones that you guys achieve in the future perfect yeah looking forward to it all right thank you cheers <laughs>